The Carmen and Yurko podcast is sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka. Check out the ESPN Chicago Games, sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka at ESPNChicagoGames.com. Watch us compete against each other. Share memories and laughs, all for charity. Tito's Handmade Vodka celebrates 25 years. Cheers to you, Chicago. Sit tight if you're on the phones. We are going to get back out and take some of your calls. But let's now get a Bears update with one of the best in the business. She covers the Bears for ESPN.com's NFL Nation. She's our intrepid Bears beat reporter all season long. Follow Courtney on Twitter at Courtney Ark Ronan. She joins Carmen and Yurko now, normally on Wednesdays, but today's kind of like Wednesday because the Bears play on Monday night. Courtney, what do you think of Bill Belichick's effusive praise of the Chicago <laughs> Bears? That, that was something special. It's a, it's a good way to filibuster so you don't have to answer questions about Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi, I guess, right? I mean, he's, he's the king of it. Oh. I, this is not my first rodeo with Bill Belichick, you know, heaping effusive praise onto teams that probably don't deserve it. I remember when the Vikings played out there in 2019, or excuse me, rather the, the end of the 18 season, it was very similar um, and I went through, I saw somebody posted the block text of everything that he said. Yeah. And I was just like searching names in it. Um, he's talking about Bayless Jones Jr. being an explosive returner. Well, Bayless Jones might not be the punt returner <laughs> exactly. this week. He's listing off Treston Ebner, names he probably just had seen on the depth chart. It was just like, well, um, these names sound familiar. We know a little bit about them. I'm just going to start listing them off. And, you know, these guys play in the NFL for a reason. So, I mean, there's got to be some qualities that do stand true, that are true. But, yeah, I mean, Belichick saying that they're an explosive offense when this offense is 31st in scoring. A um, little bit, maybe a little hyperbolic, but that's Bill Belichick. Hilarious. He does this every week. Absolutely hilarious. Uh, what changes, if any, do you think are happening come Monday? I think that offensively there's several. Um, and I'm working on a story about this of just like what is a realistic change because you can't go through the next 11 games expecting it to look the way that it does right now up through the first six games. And I think the first thing when you know what was the big story last week that we were talking about? It's all the red zone issues. Mm-hmm. So when you have a quarterback who has a skill set like Justin Fields and his legs are such a tremendous asset, you need to use those because looking back at the numbers, he has 13 design runs this season. That's for like 28 yards. That's absurd. Um, and then on top of that, only three of those have come in the low red zone. And you think back to the other night when they run 11 plays inside Washington's six yard line, you know. So think about how much they would have benefited having more design runs for Justin Fields where he can, he's 220 pounds. Nobody wants to tackle him at the goal line. I mean, that's a business decision guys would have to make. So why not play to your strengths there and utilize that asset? And I know some people are going to say, oh, you know, he might get hurt, you know, if you have all these design runs. It's it's the Lamar uh, argument. Well, he's getting hit in the pocket a lot, too. So, like, what do you have to lose at this point in, in creating those plays for your quarterback and seeing where it gets you? You know, building off of that, Courtney, especially down in the red zone, why does Cole Komet have, I believe it's two red zone targets? Can mm-hmm. anybody explain that? Well, um, I mean, I sound like an idiot because that was what my prediction was going into the season with his breakout year that we right. all projected. And a lot yeah. of it was going to come in the red zone because they didn't have Jimmy Graham anymore. So apparently um, a lot of us were wrong on that. I think some of this has to do just with the protection issues and if they're using more max protection in those situations and calling on their tight ends 
uh, in that mm-hmm. role. And on top of that, too, it just doesn't feel like they have a you know much of a rhythm when they get down into the red zone. And of course, the other night there was that play that was designed for Ryan Griffin and it didn't work. And you, you hear the argument, well, why not Cole Komet in that situation? Well, I'm sure that's a play that they want back. But I think that that's got to be part of when, when Matt Eberflus talks personnel adjustments and lineup changes, the makeup of this roster is not going to change all that much. Like, regardless, I'm not even talking trade deadline. Like, you have what you have at this point, and this is the group that you're moving forward with. But can you define a more, you know, can you define a better role for that tight end position, starting off with Cole Komet? Because 10 catches for, what, 179 yards so far? 116. You won 16. So, yeah, I was even off on that. Like, that's a far cry from what you expected for a player who was supposed to be, you know, a threat over the middle of the field for your quarterback. Now, maybe, maybe Nikhil Harry, when he comes back, yeah, we assume yeah. that it'll be this week since he is healthy. Maybe yeah. that's a role he can fulfill, too. But there has to be a more defined role for Cole Komet in this offense. That's a great point. And I'll just say one other thing. I mean, the targets in general. Last year, it was about five and a half targets a game. This year, through six weeks, guys, it's two and a half targets a game. So, And that just could be a product of those first three weeks and how bad the offense was. But uh, I would agree with Courtney. That, that, that should change a little as you're trying to figure out, like, do you have the answer at tight end with Cole Komet? Maybe they have the answer, and that's why he's not targeted as much. I don't know. But anyway, go ahead. Your yeah, name. Quinn had 18 and a half sacks last year. This year he's only got one. Uh, he wa- didn't want to be here in the offseason. Are they mm-hmm. thinking about, hey, let's get what we can get for him if we can get anything? Yeah, I've seen the reports on that. I try to think about this realistically. The guy has one sack through seven games. The production's just not there from a year ago, and there's a multitude of reasons for that. Who's giving up anything more than, like, a six-round pick? Like, I just, I know the theory of, okay, well, this team's going to probably want to be in seller mode because Ryan Poles is someone who wants to build through the draft. And if you can get draft capital, great. But I don't think that they can get much for him at this point. I really don't. So when you see stuff like that out there, like, of course, they're probably making calls trying to see if anybody will bite on that. But I just don't think they're going to get the return that they would hope for a player of that caliber. And, yeah, he's got multiple years left on his contract. If anybody, you know, who has that sort of, you know, question mark on them, will they be here, will they not be, I talked about on shows this week. Like, you, nobody's trading for undrafted free people who are going to be UFAs next year. So, like, I don't believe that the Roquan Smith, the David Montgomerys, those guys are, you know, going to be in the mix whatsoever. But someone like Quinn, who still has years left on his deal, and you know, is, is nearing the end of his career, and maybe could make a contender better, it makes sense in theory. But the production's not there to warrant um, the sort of draft capital that I think that this team would want. Yeah, I mean, anybody that thinks they can do. Uh... You know, what the Broncos Von were able Miller, to do yeah. with Von Miller. And they're the same age, but through set, that trade happened after week seven last year. So he's played <laughs> yeah. one fewer game. But Von Miller had four and a half sacks and nine QB hits in seven games in Denver. Courtney just gave you the numbers. There's one sack here and two quarterback hits in six yeah. games for Robert Quinn. That ain't, uh, the, that only, ain't the same thing. The folks. only thing that can help is if there is a couple of injuries at a defensive end position mm-hmm. around the league, and you see it all the time because they seem to tear Get pectoral muscles yeah. or biceps or triceps. Yeah. Those muscular guys that are coming off the corner and the edge now, they just find a way to somehow, they, they got delicate muscle structure, <laughs> and things end up tearing for some crazy reason. It's the only thing that can help the Chicago Bears. Otherwise, Courtney, I agree, you're settling for a sixth or a seventh. At least it's something. At least it's something. 
that it, you it can is have draft capital. But I just yeah. don't. I mean, you've got to think too. Like, and we talked about this. I mean, first off, they missed their window. If they really wanted to do this, they would have done it prior In the to the draft. Yep. Like, yeah, there was a and even even dating into training, leading into training camp, but they had a chance. They just didn't for a number of reasons, and. Um, you know, half your pass rush right now, people ask that question, well, what's wrong with the Bears' pass rush? Well, half of it's in Los Angeles. So, like, what do you want to do? <laughs> like, you have to be able to field a competitive football team or at least a competent football team. So if you think about that and you get rid of Quinn, let's say they just let's say they just, just want him to sell. Like, they're like, to hell with it, sixth, seventh-round pick, whatever. Who's on that other side? Is there, Are you just going to roll out? Are you gonna, is it going to be the Dominique Robinson experiment where you get him for 11, or I guess that'd be at that point, like 10 more games, and you just roll with al Kadeen Muhammad on the other side and a combination of him and Travis Gibson? Like, that's not good. You're not going to be able to get after the quarterback if you're doing that. So I think that there has to be a, str- a strategy here of how do we – survive right now get through the bulk of the rest of the season where the schedule does get infinitely harder and plan for the long term because you have to be able to field a competent football team like you have to and you have to be able to generate pressure on the quarterback and as of right now even with Robert Quinn in the mix they're not able to do that I get what you're saying you can't give a coach nothing Uh, no matter what the agreement is or you know if this ever if there's ever a time to be bad because it's a totally new regime I sure. totally know what you're hinting at with that. So it, that, and that's probably why it didn't happen, um, and why we're at this point now. Courtney Cronin joining us. We're talking Bears. Uh, she is brought to you by ETI School of Skilled Trades. Uh, they obviously cleaned some things up defensively in the last game. Mm-hmm. Um, and just aside from whether it's going to be Mac or Zappy, uh, just uh, when you think about the running game that they're going to be presented, um, you know, with stopping again this week, Courtney on Monday night. Metrically, you know, about average if you look at expected points and things like that. But I tell you, you put on the tape and you're like, man, Ramondre Stevenson looks like a load and a really skilled player. So did they definitely clean some things up or are we concerned that they might get gashed on the ground again Monday night? I mean, they weren't tested in the way that they like against Washington that they were. Uh, you know, week four when they face the Giants. And like you said, with Stevenson, he can be a game wrecker. Yeah. So those are the type of players that you have to watch out for. And on the flip side of it, they don't really have somebody like that here on offense. But, you know, to speak to what they've done defensively, I feel like the defense has gotten better. I mean, it's not perfect by any stretch, but some of those things, those early season issues that showed up against Green Bay and then certainly showed up against New York, I feel like some of those things have been at least mitigated, if that makes sense. I mean, it's not compl- it's not it's not a perfect product right now, but the concerns certainly. I mean, Matt Eberflus said it when they were talking about schematic adjustments. It's still the run defense. It's the run defense, and it's the pass game offensively. Like that's gonna that's it doesn't go away just because it might not have looked as bad against Washington when you know. They're having, you know, Washington has its own issues moving the ball, regardless of whether they're throwing it or running it. Um, but that is something that, because Bill Belichick is, is, like we talked about, he's somebody who will pick you apart in a number of different ways. He'll give you unscouted looks. I mean, that's what he is so good at. And he's yeah. excellent at picking apart your biggest, biggest weakness, which remains the run defense for this team. All right, last thing uh, on their quarterback. Uh, I, it's not just uh, like a trite cliche. I mean, I think it's pretty true in this league. You really don't want to. <laughs> underestimate opponents. I mean, like, I get it, and a guy like Belichick, I don't think ever would, but after the Bears game, it's a trip for the Pats to New York to face a divisional opponent, the Jets, and then it's at home against Indy, and then it's their bye, and then it's another game at home this time against the Jets, so it's three straight conference games. Like, any chance they just say, 
hey, we'll ride the hot hand with Bailey Zappi and give Mac Jones another week off um, as they have the Bears rolling in? Or do you suspect it will be Mac Jones under center Monday night? I don't see why, if he says he's 75 to 85% healthy, why against this team, of all teams, when you're at home, um, you wouldn't continue to ride Bailey Zappi, who's he's completed 70% of his passes at minimum in yeah. three of those games that he's played. Like you're, he, he can he can run the offense that they're asking him to run, and they've simplified it. They're not asking him to do too much. Mm-hmm. And there's you know a lot there. You know, as a fourth round pick, you're probably thinking, well, you know, that's not the long term answer. But in the short term, I don't see why when you do have the Jets on the road, and then it's Indy, and then it's more division games after that. Why not keep your guy that you're expecting to put back in that spot? Why not keep him off the you know off the field for at least one more game? I mean, this is a high ankle sprain. Like, yeah. I don't understand why there was such a rush, or at least the thought of he'll be fine in a couple of weeks. Like, high ankle sprains usually require surgery. They usually require more treatment than just sitting out for a couple games. Courtney, great stuff. Thank you. Thanks. And we'll catch up again next week after the Monday Nighter, okay? Yeah, no problem. Thanks, See you, guys. Courtney. There's Courtney Cronin. Follow her on, t- on Twitter, at Courtney R. Cronin. Real quick, Matt in Fort Worth is going to tell us how to properly say Irving, Texas. Is it Irving? Irving. Irving. Irving, Texas. Right next to Valley Ranch where the Cowboys used to have their... Like, uh, like, like, like Kyrie. Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving. Irving, yes. Matt, thanks. Irving, not Irvine. Irving. And the minute I saw it on the map right next to Grand Prairie, it's you know Irving. where it is. Yeah, it's Irving. Irving, and then the Irving ball, Texas. And then the stadium's in Arlington. Yes. Just like the Bears stadium's going to be in Arlington Heights. It's uh, yeah. not in Dallas. It's no, in it's Arlington. not even close to Dallas. Yeah. 20 miles. As a matter of fact, it's halfway between Dallas and Fort Worth. It is. It's yeah. 20 miles away. It's okay. It's the right in between. Arlington Heights. You know, build a beautiful stadium like Do Jerry it. World. Do it. Do it. More of your calls coming up, plus we'll have some fun with McKnight at the movies. And then we go to Vegas at 1.35 to talk to Todd Furman. Oh, Thursday shows are loaded. Lots of fun during the football season. It's Carmen and Yurko. We'll be right back. Carmen and Yurko. Follow at Carmen DeFalco and at Yurko64 on Twitter. On ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. McKnight at the movies. Connor McKnight recreates classic cinema on Carmen and Yurko. Only on ESPN Chicago. Hope you're having a great Thursday. Crosstalk in about 40 minutes. By the way, a new Unhinged is dropping today, so go to the ESPN Chicago app. Good Unhinged. Another good Unhinged. I've also heard today's McKnight at the Movies is a really good movie. We'll see. Let's find out what Connor did. We saw what the theme was last week. We had a little bit of a theme. Uh, What was it? Do you remember that? Hold on. It was... A little bit of a theme. It had to do with Al Michaels. I got it right away, too, last week, didn't I? Or it took me a little longer. It was Miracle. Oh, Miracle. Remember? It was was a Thursday night game. It was Miracle. Al Michaels, a little bit of there. Do we have a theme for this time? Hmm. Well, you know, we're getting up on something. I don't know. There's got to be a key date somewhere, somehow. What is today? The 19th of October? Yeah. It's the 19th of 20th, October. 20th, 20th. Today's 20th? Yes. The 20th of October. We have 11 days left. In uh, we had a market crash on October 29th. Uh-oh. Uh, way back when. I don't predict that. So, well, I'm not predicting it. I'm just saying that we had a market crash. Could market be Wall crash Street. Oh, Wall Street. Could Good be movie. the Wolf of Wall Street. Could be anything. I mean, I'm just trying to find a theme. It's brought to you as always by Lou Malnati's. The winner's going to get a $25 Lou Malnati's gift card. First correct caller will win. You know the drill. When you think you know, 312-332-3776. We'll play along with you. We do not know the movie. 
Here is part one for today, McKnight at the Movies. Our scene opens as a woman enters her home. It's elevator access, very chic. She's got an air of authority, no nonsense. She's got company, a man. She was not expecting him, but he was very much expecting her. This isn't a personal visit. It's hardly even civil. She is irate that he's here, and he's calm as a cucumber, probably driving her rage even higher. Uh, Their exchange doesn't start with a greeting, but with an apology, his. And not for being in the home without permission, but for something else entirely, something life and death. This brooding, secretive man, I see it now, he's talking with his boss, and he is in serious trouble for making the wrong call. Mm. I, do, I, do, I, do I don't not know. I, yeah, I don't have it. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm mulling things over. She's got an elevator in, in her, her home. home, and she's the boss. She's the boss, obviously, and she's not happy. But he doesn't seem to be too hot and bothered as he's talking to her and giving an explanation. Do, uh, let's, let's find out about, out about the actors. Yeah, let's find out about our actors. A bit on our actors. Thank you. She's acting royalty with a statue for Best Supporting. Eight nominations. First screen credit in 1959, oh. but across the pond. He's an A-lister now, but this was his breakout. He, like others that came before him, is known for this role. He's one of seven. Oh, James Bond and uh, Dench. Dench. It's got to be a James Bond movie. Don't give it away. And it's Madame Judy Dench, yeah, I, I believe, is just, the... I think you just gave it all away. Well, I didn't give it away. I don't have the damn movie. I think you... Yeah, I think you just nailed it. I don't have the movie. I think, I think you absolutely just There's seven it. of them. Is it Octopussy? I no, don't think so. No, there's seven different Bonds, right? Yes. Yeah, because there's more than seven movies. Yeah. Are we up to seven bonds? Wow. Yeah, I think yeah. that's right. All right, here's part three. Uh, which one is it? I think Yurko's just stumbled onto it. I think you nailed it, kid. Here we go. Back to the scene. Our man is being read the riot act. He's messed up. He knows it. He's just got to wear it. Despite all of this being his fault, though, he's acting like he's got an ace up his sleeve. He works alone, so the only one that's going to be able to dig out of this mess is him. As these two go back and forth, we see that there's a relationship between these two. Something like mentor and mentee. She's regretting the promotion she's given him, however. The problem is this promotion is very nearly a death sentence. She sees something more in him, though. A chance to be more than just a hitman. It's back to the mid-2000s with this film. Right in the middle of the gritty origin reboot phase. This franchise went right along with the craze, but in my opinion, nailed it. And not for nothing, but Chris Cornell opens this puppy up with the greatest song in the franchise's history. I don't know which one it is. I think you're right, but I, don't, I honestly don't know. Chris Cornell... Um, I'm thinking I'm off on the franchise and it might be the furious franchise. Oh, I wouldn't know that. Right. I don't. And there's nine of those. I think there's nine of those movies, but they didn't have seven leading guys. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm perplexed. Maybe there were seven in their group. I have no idea. We got a correct answer. Kendra, which one's correct? We don't uh, she, have one yet? She, she's working on them right now. Oh. Uh, why don't you take Kyle in Northwest Indiana to start? Well, we don't take guesses. We just take we, the right we, answer. We take the right answer. That's we just need we the do. first correct caller. That's all. Hey, we got a new crew here. Uh, I, I mean, I, we've got to explain the contest. Does that? Well, yeah, we got to get the first correct answer. It's okay. Yeah, first correct answer. 
Whoever has the first correct answer. Sorry, we should have explained that. I guess to, I should have explained to it. our crew. We should have explained yeah, it. Kendra too. and Charlie are working yeah. on it. We don't get to work with them very often. Right. Right. Uh, Mike and Oak Brook. Let's. He, Mike and Oak Brook was he's first? the first one with the correct answer. All right, Mike. What's Mike. the uh, What's the movie? I don't know which one it is. Casino Royale. Casino Royale. Great I, movie. Why can't I? It is a great movie, but why can't I picture? I mean, it's I Daniel Craig. It it's Daniel and, Craig and Judy Dench. You right. know this. Yes, Mikey. Good job, buddy. Hold on. We'll make sure we get you that gift card. Okay. All right. Thanks. See you, buddy. Um, and that's when we replace poker against the guy. Oh yeah, that's the scene where the yeah. guy cuts out the bottom of the chair and he's got him taped up and he's. Charlie, no, do me that's a favor. Quantum of Silence. Quantum of Solace. Oh, that's not Casino Royale. That's not Casino Royale. I'm that's Quantum of up. Solace. Yeah. Charlie, do me a favor. Pull the Cornell song from that. I want to hear it because I can't. Like it's not coming to me. Right. And Connor said it's by far the best one. So I want to hear that. So, but but we got to do our. Yeah, we'll do the reveal, and then Charlie, after the reveal, I want to hear that song if you can find it. Find the Cornell song from the beginning of Casino Royale. Here's uh, here's the reveal. You've got a bloody cheek. Sorry. I'll shoot the camera first next time. Or yourself. You stormed into an embassy. You violated the only absolutely inviolate rule of international relationships. And why? So you could kill a nobody. We wanted to question him, not to kill him. For God's sake, you're supposed to display some kind of judgment. I did. I thought the one less bomb maker in the world would be a good thing. Exactly. One bomb maker. We're trying to find out how an entire network of terrorist groups is financed, and you give us one bomb maker. Hardly the big picture, wouldn't you say? The man isn't even a true believer. He's a gun for hire. And thanks to your overdeveloped trigger finger, we have no idea who hired him or why. And how the hell did you find out where I lived? Same way I found out your name. I thought M was a randomly assigned letter. I had no idea it stood for... Utter one more syllable, and I'll have you killed. I knew it was too early to promote you. Well, I understand double O's have a very short life expectancy. So your mistake will be short-lived. Bond, this may be too much for a blunt instrument to understand. Hmm. But arrogance and self-awareness seldom go hand in hand. So you want me to be half monk, half hitman? Any thug can kill. I want you to take your ego out of the equation and to judge the situation dispassionately. I have to know I can trust you, and that you know who to trust. And since I don't know that, I need you out of my sight. Go and stick your head in the sand somewhere and think about your future. Because these bastards want your head. And I'm seriously considering feeding you to them. Mm, good scene. Good job, York, because you did have the, uh, you had a I had the thing. theory. Good job. Yeah. All right, what's, what's that? Let me hear that song, because I can't remember More it from the, the, the beginning. Do you have it, Charlie? I mean, anything Chris Cornell does is pretty awesome, so. I don't know if it's the best one. I mean, come on. I mean, McCartney. Let's remember, right? Live and let, let, let Die is yeah. a Bond song. I mean, yes, I, I may be showing my age here, but I, I thought Skyfall was a really good Skyfall good is awesome. Yeah. Live and Which let, one did Adele do? Adele did... That was Skyfall. Skyfall, yes, that's correct. 
And you did Skyfall. I can't pretend to sing like it. You could play that one if you find it too. Madonna did a good one. Madonna's. Which one did she do, York? I don't know. I don't she was remember. in one also with Pierce Brosnan. Really? And uh, the one that they ended up going to the ice place and they had the big ray that was going to eat up uh, the whatchamacallit. I forget exactly what it is, I but. I remember that. Yeah. Anything Cornell does is pretty sad, Chris Cornell. Unbelievable. You know, why, why do the great ones have to do that? Why are they so tortured, Yurko? I don't get it. Maybe that's what makes the music, the torture. Uh, Yurk, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. The pain. Maybe that's where I'm it comes like, from. Oh, son, won't you come? I'm disrespecting him now by singing his beautiful song in such a abhorrent way. Right. I mean, you're doing it like you're doing Pearl Jam. You know, you don't need to do that. Oh, like in Ted, it all sounds yeah. the same from the 90s. Right. No, 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 just do some other things and you sound like any other grunge singers. Yeah, this is Adele from Skyfall. Yeah. This one's good. Yeah. Real good. I might push back on Connor a little bit on that one. As much as I love Chris Cornell, I got to say, this is in the running. And like, live and let die is the all-timer, isn't it? Or are we just being old by saying that? Do you guys have a favorite Bond movie? I, boy, I tell you what, this last one. The one good. with Pierce Brosnan and, and uh, Holly Berry, and that's the one that I talked about before where Madonna's in it, too. Mm-hmm. So he goes down to Cuba, and then he goes to the thing. I forget what it's called, but it, I, I can look it up and Living find Daily? out. No, no. That, was, that was Timothy Dalton. Uh-uh. Uh, I don't remember. But, I keep but that would be one of my favorites. The Man with the Golden Gun, if you're going old school. Goldfinger's great. Yeah. This was good, and this movie was good, too. I did like Skyfall. Well, the last one was exceptional. I thought it was awesome. And I won't ruin it for you. I won't either, but, but yeah. I thought it was awesome. Well, the name kind of kind of leads you to that anyway, but like... What was the name of it? The, it was... Um, why am I blanking on it? It's, uh, <laughs> you said it leads you to it, so well, I'm like, well, what's it's called, name? It's called... Um, it's, my, it's finally over. It's called No Time to Die. So it's called No Time to Die. It's so finally kinda, over. It's finally over. So it kind of like takes you there, but we could do a whole segment on the great Bond songs, the villains, and just the well, song. Live and Let Die. Live and Let Die stands for like, itself. Yeah. Connor's going to call us and be like, you guys are just old. Yeah, Let well, Die. That's fine. Good song. Now, see, the phones are already lighting up. Like, no, the best time, the best. Well, let's Bond song them. is this. The best Bond song is that. We're going to talk to Todd Furman coming up. We'll try to sneak some calls in, too. But Furman's live in Vegas next. Did you miss some Carmen and Yurko? You don't have to miss anything. Podcasts are ready on the ESPN Chicago app. Carmen and Yurko on ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. You know what the biggest question is for Todd Furman, Yurko? Did they have their hands on the goalposts at all? Down in Tennessee last well, week. Oh, that makes sense, yeah. Parading them down to the river and then throwing them in. And threw it right in there. In Tennessee having the nerve to start a GoFundMe okay. to buy them new goalposts. And I wonder if, them new goal posts. if he had his hands on those goalposts, did he make a contribution? Did you contribute? Ten, what, what's Tennessee's endowment? About uh, $700 oh, million? Boy, it's got to be a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Fund us to buy new goalposts. Right. What? I think they did it kind of as a lark. As a, it was it like a like a goof, and then they get all the money. And then it's like, okay, well, I think we just screwed up. Yeah, I'm gonna look real quick. Hold on, what's the endowment? The endowment's usually right at the beginning. Uh, University of Texas, one point three four billion. So. Yeah, <laughs> you can't afford a car. 
That's awesome. Isn't the endowment, don't they just utilize the interest off of that? I, I do, think. Do things? Yeah. yeah. God only has. Let's bring in Todd Furman. He joins us every week. We missed him last week, but he was having, it sounds like, the time of his life uh, for the bachelor party as they went from Nashville uh, on to Knoxville for I don't know how. They, they, certainly, I don't think that game's going to be topped in the regular season. Although Utah... USC tried, and that game was pretty awesome. Last Saturday was a hell of a day for college football. Furman's back. He joins us every uh, every Thursday at this time live in Vegas. Check out his great podcast for uh, all the best college and pro breakdown, the Bet the Board podcast, wherever you get your pods, and follow him on Twitter at Todd Furman. Uh, were you part of the, the rampage onto the field and then uh, on that parade to the river to throw in those goalposts last week? And, you know, at one stage in my life, gentlemen, I would have been leading the charge down there, but it's a young man's game. I mean, I look around that college campus, have to remind myself that I'm not 22 years old anymore, and wanted to make sure that I was coherent for kickoff at 3.30 Eastern time. To your point, Carm, we got on the bus at 5.30 in the morning to leave Nashville. We made sure we got to Knoxville in plenty of time. But that is a long, long day, however, well worth it for the product we saw on the field. And just incredible to be part of that atmosphere. When you have a quarter of a million people flooding into Knoxville, 100,000 going into the stadium, and you see a proud football program make history, beating Alabama for the first time in 15 years. Just amazing. We'll get to uh, some of the college action here in a little bit. Saints and Cardinals kick it off tonight. Yurko was uh, just talking about this. I mean, the cards are... Uh, they can't win many games, period, right now. They're just 2-4, and four, but they certainly have been uh, abysmal at home. They're a short favorite tonight, but a lot of injuries um, on both sides. I mean, how much does that affect the ultimate handicap here when you think about both teams being kind of beat up by injury right now? It definitely plays a role, and you're right. When you look at Arizona, if they were to lose the game tonight, it would be more than a calendar year since they've won a game in their own building. And we're not talking about a team that finished last year 1-16. They were a playoff team in the NFC that just can't seem to win games at home. You look at the injuries that you mentioned. New Orleans banged up at receiver. No Jarvis Landry, no Michael Thomas. Defensively, no Marshawn Lattimore. And we're seeing that play a major role on the Saints' inability to get off the field defensively. But even more problematic for New Orleans, they just haven't been able to generate pressure. Mm. Dead last in the league in that regard, and I'm not sure that bodes well in this particular spot. Arizona, of course, without Hollywood Brown, so it becomes addition, essentially, or a push, adding DeAndre Hopkins back into the mix. But they do lose a guy capable of taking the lid off of the defense. I lean ever so slightly towards Arizona, but I haven't seen enough from Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury to leave me brewing with confidence that just because they find themselves in a must-win situation, that we're going to get an all-hands-on-deck type approach. It would be more of a fate of Dennis Allen and his inability to get the Saints ready to go on a short week. Uh, I don't uh, think I want to be back in the Bears in any situation, really, right now. But they have had this little mini-buy. They kicked off Week 6. They end Week 7, the Monday-nighter, where it looks like the line's back down to the Patriots, uh, laying 7.5. So maybe not to just complete one-way traffic on this game. I know it was 8 in some spots a little bit earlier in the week, but what's the handicap for Bears-Patriots look like on Monday night? Uh, you know, guys, I don't come on these airwaves often and advocate for the Bears actually being a worthy investment, but I'm close in this spot. Mm. I haven't pulled the trigger yet to back Chicago, plus the eight points, but I do think when you're talking about a total this low and a team in New England that wants to run the football first and foremost, possessions could be at a premium, and we've seen the Bears in these kind of spots in the past find a way to punch above their weight class, shorten the game a little bit, and keep it within one score. I think they're going to be able to have success running against that defensive line of the Patriots. We can't sugarcoat it, though. When you look at the Bears, fewest completions, a grand total of 63 through six games since the New England Patriots way back in 1982. Mm. And for those scoring at home, that's roughly 40 years. 
When you look at what Bill Belichick has done against quarterbacks in their first two NFL seasons, it's typically a struggle. And I say this tongue-in-cheek, if Justin Fields gets to the average that we've seen against Bill Belichick at 183 yards passing, that would be considered a success for what's gone on thus far. I'm just not sure New England is ready to lay this kind of number with Bailey Zappi or Mac Jones under center. So if that price continues to stay over a touchdown, there's a chance that I'll be making a value bet on the Bears come Monday night. Uh, Should Jacksonville ever be laying a number anywhere, even if they're at home against New York football giants? Giants are 5-1 and getting points. Uh, You know what, Yurk? You look at the box score for Jacksonville, not just last week when they lost the Indianapolis Colts, but two weeks ago against the Houston Texans. They've been much better than their 2-4 and record suggests, but you're talking about living on the razor's edge right now because if they look at themselves in the mirror – there's no way that they should be 2-4. and four. The Giants have been a little bit fortunate. Last week's win against the Baltimore Ravens, probably not indicative of how the game went when you dig into some of the advanced metrics. And so that's part of the reason that you saw this number open with the Jags, a 2.5-point favorite, number drift out to 3. Uh, I don't have any strong conviction on the side, but I actually do like this game over the total a bit. I think the Giants getting Wandale Robinson back makes them a little bit more dynamic offensively. I think Jacksonville will have a couple wrinkles in store for Wink Martindale's defense. And look, I'm not going to take any shots at Brian Dable and what he's been able to accomplish thus far, but I think water will ultimately meet its level. So let's see how creative the Giants get offensively. I think the defense can get exposed, and maybe it starts as early as Sunday, especially if they get worn down in that heat and humidity deep into the fourth quarter. Todd Furman's our guest, uh, at Todd Furman on Twitter. It's Carmen and Yurko on ESPN 1000. A college game you guys discussed on the pod is Bama-Mississippi State. Uh, Bama has a history, at least Nick Saban, uh, let's uh, be more specific, has a history of really putting it to uh, opponents after a straight-up loss. Do we feel comfortable laying three touchdowns, though, against Mississippi State in Tuscaloosa this, in Tuscaloosa this weekend? Well, you mentioned Alabama's ability to bounce back, harm. Look at what they've done to Mississippi State in recent meetings. Just with Mike Leach at the helm the last two meetings, 90-9 to nine is mm-hmm. what Alabama has done to the Bulldogs. And if you want to go back over the last seven meetings, Mississippi State has scored a grand total of 49 points. The problem with that, 24 of those 49 points came in one game. So this is a passing attack for Will Rogers and company that's not like Tennessee where they take a lot of deep shots downfield where Alabama is vulnerable. It's short, it's underneath, it's yards after the catch. And when you have former players calling out the heart, intensity, and focus for Alabama football, I really believe you'll get an all-in effort from the Crimson Tide here. We can't pretend that they're not still in control of their own playoff destiny. This number I was hoping came at 17. Uh, Odds makers were a little bit savvy. They're forcing you to pay a slight premium. But I've been surprised to see the general public gravitating towards the Mississippi State team that hasn't gone over 220 yards passing in two SEC road games against Kentucky or LSU. Uh, I think Alabama can be outside this number by halftime. Definition of a lay it or don't play it here with the Crimson Tide. Like it. Uh, I grabbed uh, Kansas State very early in the week. I was glad to hear... Your breakdown of it, because I trust your expert opinions. I grabbed it strictly with no handicap on schedule spot (laughs) alone. But I always am a little bit more reassured when I do hear people like yourself, um, you know, kind of bring up the fact that these are college kids. And how many weeks in a row can TCU do this? I think TCU is very good. Don't get me wrong. But like they are still 18, 19, 20 year old kids. How many weeks in a row can you be preparing for these huge rivalry big time conference games and i think it's a significant part of the handicap even though there really are no numbers involved todd Uh, there are no doubts about it when you're looking at some of these games and you try and figure out where you can identify an edge how do you build in those intangible factors and to your point carm you can't necessarily quantify them 
but they do have to be part of the overall calculus before you go to the window and place a bet. And when you look at TCU over the last four weeks, they had a big rivalry game out of their bye on September 24th against SMU, Sonny Dykes' former program, and a big rivalry between those two teams within the city of Dallas. They followed up with an upset victory against Oklahoma and kind of announced that they're going to be formidable in the Big 12. Go on the road to Lawrence, knock off Kansas 38-31, depending on where you got the number. You either won, lost, or pushed. Mm -hmm. And then last week, have to outlast Oklahoma State in double overtime. And here comes little old Kansas State, well-rested, off the bye, a a pest to try and play against. You look at Adrian Martinez, who has a new lease on life, has said he's having a lot more fun playing football now. Deuce Vaughn, an absolute matchup nightmare. And a defense that, in my opinion, is still vastly underrated. Slight edge to Chris Kleiman as head coach. Not only do I think Kansas State covers this number as a a three-and-a-half-point dog Saturday night, I think they win outright. Mm. And it's Kansas State that starts to control its own destiny to get to Dallas for the Big 12 championship game. I love it. And you can still find, uh, like Todd said, that number north of the key of three. So it'll be interesting to see what the money does maybe leading up to that game Saturday night and keep an eye on that line. Before we let you go, my man, any best bets that you want to give out? Yeah, we'll go with uh, a trio of selections. It's been good luck for us so far, a hell of a season. Let's hope we keep the train on the tracks. And you know what? We may as well not stay away from it. We broke the game down. We gave it out as our best bet on the Bet the Board podcast. But I still encourage people to go listen to the breakdowns for all the other games. Kansas State plus three and a half. We'll call bet number one. We'll go up to the college football hotbed in Palo Alto and fade the Stanford Cardinal fresh off of their upset against Notre Dame. Arizona State, better situational spot. I don't think the Cardinal deserve to be a field goal favorite against anybody in the conference. Again, shop around. There are some two and a half, so I'll take ASU here. And we're looking Sunday. There's nothing that's going to leave listeners feeling warm and tingly about it. Uh, But we're going to take the Detroit Lions, plus seven against the Dallas Cowboys. I know people expect Dallas to bounce back. They'll think that the passing attack will look like it's never missed a beat with Dak Prescott. But let's not pretend that that thumb injury is going to take some time from grip strength and confidence. I think Dak will be about 60-65%. And Detroit has the ability to shorten the game, run the football. I like an underdog that can score and score in bunches. They've had two weeks to fume over that loss against Mm. the New England Patriots. I'll take Detroit plus the points and think they have a chance to win the game outright deep into the fourth quarter. All right, Todd's been killing it on the best plays. Uh, So there you go, everybody. Check out the podcast, the Bet the Board pod, and follow him on Twitter, at Todd Furman. Good to have you back, buddy. We'll talk to you next Thursday. Hey, always a pleasure, gents. Best of luck with your picks this week. Thanks, Todd. Uh, There he is, Todd Furman. And when we come back, we'll get Paulie Cheesecake's picks. How about that? From Todd to Paulie. It never stops. How did Paulie do last week? We'll find by, out. By the way, your horse finished sixth at Belmont Damn. in the fourth. So it's, that's our, our guy's Still done. running, yeah. It started going backwards at the end. Mm. Not good. It started going backwards. And the quarterback was Philip uh, Phil Yurkovich. Why don't I remember him? The guy that went to Notre Dame in 2018, uh, started one game there, and then transferred. I don't, remember, I don't even yeah. remember that. I remember. He's a high, who, high recruit. Who won that race? Uh, the eight. Yeah. Date won that I race. I bet your horse uh, crossed the board. Bubkiss, huh? He won my horse. It's not my name. I know, but I know. it's close enough. Seven of eight letters were mine. I love you, pal. It's <laughs> Carmen and York. We'll be right back. See what Carmen and Yurko are talking about on Twitch. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago today. This is Carmen and Yurko on ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Came out to uh, Whiskey U last night. Thanks. Thanks to Kentucky Owl, all the great folks over at the Elm and LaGrange, Dan Spain and his crew. Were they digging the Kentucky oh, Owl? man, were they digging it. I mean, we had it packed up there at the Elm. 
And then, you know, crumble cookies, like those big, like awesome artisan cookies. Yeah. So there, a new one just opened in LaGrange, and they brought some cookies over. Did they? And I, they were so nice of them. They're like, yeah, if you want to pass out some cookies. So I did trivia at the end. We did whiskey trivia at the end of the night. I think people were more excited to be winning the crumble cookies, to be quite honest, getting trivia right, to wrap the night with some cookies, taking them out the door. Not bad. Yeah. But it was great, man. Happy we tried, campers. tried four different uh, whiskeys from Kentucky Owl, the Wiseman Bourbon, the Wiseman Rye. Uh, the confiscated, and then that new blend they did Ooh. with uh, one of the famous Japanese distillers. Awfully yeah. good. The Takumi. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah, it was really great. So thanks for coming out last night uh, to the Elm, and we'll be back on the road again next month. Where are you going? With another Whiskey U. I don't know yet, but as soon as I know, I will let you know, my man. I and appreciate I will let all that. of our listeners know. Especially if it's somewhere close to the south side. Someone you know on, on Instagram was like, dude, you got to get one of these to the NWI. I, it, it's not up to us. Um, it's our partnership, you know, uh, with Breakthrough. And the, but I'd love to. I'll tell. I'll pass it along to yeah. the folks. I'm like, try to find a great place in the NWI for us to go. They want to whiskey you out there, Yerk. I'm not surprised. But, you know, we were. You know, we do well out there. Yeah, I know. Uh, we get, like, like Yerko said, if we get down south, though, if we get a little bit closer to uh, to the folks on the border. Try yeah, to like, we were at Baracos. Yes, and, we've been there. Boy, yeah. the orangini there. Yeah, Ooh, they're good. Hello. They're real, they're real Man, they're delicious. All right, time for Paulie's picks. Paulie Cheesecake. Paulie. I, Paulie, I think you went 0-3 last week. 0-3 last yes, week. Yes, I did. Listen, I'm, I'm really happy about the Bulls. Maybe they're turning the corner with that win last night. Yeah, but in the corner. You went 0-3, Paulie. Quit trying to deflect yeah, here. Yeah. You were terrible. You were terrible Listen, last week. What corner I know, are they I know, turning? I know, I know, I know. And uh, I, you know, if I was in Chicago, I would have been there with you last night, uh, Carmen. I wish uh, you were here, my man. When are you coming back to town? In the spring, you said, um, right? In, in the, I'm definitely coming back in the spring. Okay, that is a guarantee. I guarantee that. You know, when you come back, Paulie. Uh, for everybody who doesn't know, left Berwyn. He left Illinois. He had enough. He's out in Jersey now. Yes. Uh, but, but you're still and, uh, giving us picks. you got to do better than 0-3 or we might not be able to continue, okay? Okay. I'm taking – I want Miami over Pittsburgh. Again? Night. You're going with Miami yes. again? Yes. I, well, two is back. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, yeah. So, right, Miami. Miami. I'm taking New England over the Bears. New England minus – we're going to call it a 7.5 because I'm looking at 7.5 right now. We'll call it 7.5. Is that cool? Uh, Yes, and I'm. Ta- I know what Furman just said, but I'm still taking Dallas over Detroit. Oh, you're going to fade Todd Furman. Oh boy, All he's right. the expert. Yeah. So you're you're laying pretty. You're laying the lumber this week. You're, you're laying, laying seven. The wood. You're laying seven with Miami. You're laying seven and a half. Uh, seven and a half with New England, and you're laying seven with um, Dallas. Yeah. Yes. Oof. Okay, and Paulie. Listen, Carmen. Yes, sir. I have a, a, my Twitter is Morton sixty nine Paul. I sent you a picture of me. And I was looking really good. Oh. I'm going to go now, and I'm going to retweet that? it. Paulie's looking real good. First of all, I yeah. know your Twitter. You, you I follow like, you, Paulie. Almost like when you say I look like Sinatra, so I'll, I'll put it like that. <laughs> I saw a picture of you recently. You've slimmed down. You look great. Wait, what is your Twitter again, Paulie? Tell everybody. Morton69Paul. Why 69? <laughs> Listen, I, I, I just did that. For, I don't know why. You being I dirty? To do that. You being a dirty Paulie, bird? Why are you being a dirty bird? Huh? No, I, I just wanted to do it. I don't care. I don't worry. I'm not worried about it. Okay. Yeah, I know you're not worried about it. That's for damn sure. Okay. All yeah. right, buddy. We'll talk to you next week, Paulie. 
So, sounds good. Okay, all See right. All right, you dirty okay. bird. More Pauly 69. I love it. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. Of course he knows what he's doing. Next time he comes, uh, when he comes I back, he, he's got to bring sandwiches. Otherwise, we're not letting him into the studio. He'll bring sandwiches. Why I want I... sandwiches. Where's Pauly on here? From I your I... place. It's Morton. I know. I'm putting it 69. In. Try Morton's. M-O-R-T-O-N-S. Morton's. That's 69. Morton 69. I don't know. I don't see it. He's not coming up. It don't come up? No. I thought you said you followed him. I do follow him. I saw a picture of Twitter on Twitter last week. Of he him. said he looks like Frank Sinatra, young Frank Sinatra. Paulie slimmed down. That uh, Jersey diet is doing him yeah. well. You know, I thought maybe he'd be eating at too many diners, but those right. diners in Jersey are famous. But he's slimmed down. He looks yeah. good. Well, if you find the picture, you'd send it out. I'll send it out. I'll go through my Twitter and look. So we can check out what Paulie looks like. We'd appreciate it, Carl. I'll go through and look. He's laying the lumber heavy. Did you pick what you wanted to do for tonight? Did you, uh, did you, let, did you land on anything? You going to Arizona? Are you staying away? You going I'm going Saints? to Arizona. Going to Arizona? Yeah, I, I, I don't trust They got to win a home game at some point, don't I they? can't trust the Saints. And it's hard, yeah, to, trust Kyler, it's, it's hard to trust Kyler Murray, too. Trust me, it's all problematic, Carm. So they're There's 0-3. nothing easy about this game. The Saints are 0-3 at home so far this year, Yurko. Right. And last year, after their incredible start, they lost their last one, two, three. They lost five straight home games. They've lost eight straight home games. they got to win a home game, right? And all you have to do is win by a field goal, and you cover tonight. Eight straight home. You ever lose eight straight at home in your life? Never. No chance. Never. Crosstalk's coming up next. Well, that's not true. Cleveland, the 99. Our two victories were on the road. Yeah, you so we lost you eight straight that. home games. Yeah, <laughs> That year didn't count, Yurko. Uh, uh, I've got the final word brought to you by Bath Planet. Carmen and Yurko present today's final word. Because you had to be a big shot, didn't you? You had to open up your mouth. Today's final you word. Had to have the last word. On Carmen and Yurko. Are we not in a building of, of grown-ups and, and uh, of men using the men's room? I feel like Al Pacino and Glengarry Glenn Ross. Who told you you could work with men?